I, I think, yeah, my, my favorite verse or verses in the book of Job are that, I would say, a triumphant statement he made. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And not sure if I'm quoting it word for word, but that he shall stand at the latter day. And then that verse, also knowing that in my flesh I shall see him. What else could have carried Job through what he went through? Other than that, knowledge. And not just a head knowledge, but an experiential knowledge that he had of his Redeemer. And it always um, blesses me just the fact that this was, I don't know how many thousand years before Christ came to this earth in the flesh, that Job had that strong faith within him. This morning I want to preach one more message um, from the example of Moses and I'm really not planning to do a lot of reading from the book of Exodus, just a little bit. And, and we, we really could go further than Exodus, looking at Moses and his, his um, guiding the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, but uh, I'm not planning to. But I would like to consider, as we think of Moses and his um, leading his people and working among his people, to consider our responsibility to move each other toward Christ. At the, I believe it was the end of the message I preached last I mentioned that motto that um, my wife has, has kind of um, used for our children and, and that I like to as well. I don't, haven't used it as much as, as my wife has. But always say yes to God. Moses was a, a great man of God. Took him a while to get to the point of, of really um, putting himself fully into doing what God had asked him to do. Uh, even in, in what we're looking at today here, you know, we looked at his responses to God a couple weeks ago and how he finally just put it out there to God. He said, send someone else. But then he did go. But uh, at one point here, in, in chapter 5, um, he's, he's ready to give up again. So, you know, I think in our ideals, every one of us wants to do something great for God. And I, I know for myself, I, I don't see myself um, nearly doing what Moses did as he led that great company of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land and just what he went through in, in leading them. 
But in our ideals, we do want to do something great for God. I think um, most Christians would have that within them. And sometimes we try to attempt doing those things in our own timing or in our own wisdom. And we had the example of of Moses doing that um, about 40 years before God actually called him to lead his people out of Egypt, to go back to Egypt to, to lead his people out. And we can see from, from his example, Moses' example, that doing it in God's timing is when it works. Is when we can be effective for him. In, in looking at the responsibility that Moses had in leading his people Israel out of Egypt. There's, there's a number of verses here. It's about no, three verses in chapter 6 of Exodus. Verses 6 through 8 that I just want to share right now. Just a message of hope to, to Israel. They weren't just simply walking out of Egypt. They were in bondage. They were in captivity. And as we consider this morning our responsibility to move one another towards Christ, I, I want to think, I want our minds, I guess, to go a, a few different directions. But thinking of just simply moving our brothers and sisters in Christ closer to Christ, but also considering that there are those in bondage that God would have us as brothers and sisters in Christ to help to come out of bondage. The Israelites were in a physical bondage. But there is spiritual bondage as well that is faced, which is a much greater bondage even than physical bondage. The effects in the long run are much greater. These verses, just a message of hope, says, Wherefore, this is uh, Exodus 6, verse 6, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Now, Moses, he actually, um, the Israelites were not happy with Moses at this point. And we'll get to that um, here in a little bit. But they... They were not happy with Moses and Aaron. And Moses heard these words from God. 
he came to God, and God gave him this message to give to those, his people, in their bondage. The message that I will bring you out of bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, or a strong arm. The arm of God is strong to redeem, to save. I will take you to me for a people. Just a a, a message of belonging to the Israelites. I will be a God to you, and I will give you the land promised for a heritage. And you know, I think to anyone in bondage, spiritual bondage, we can take this message of hope as well that God gave to Israel in their spiritual bondage and that there is hope. In just recounting some events, I think we probably all know the story of the Israelites and their coming out of Egypt, their journeys uh, fairly well. In Exodus chapter 4, the last couple verses we read a couple weeks ago, Moses and Aaron had gathered the elders of Israel together and told them what God had spoken to Moses uh, about about what he was going to have him do, about his plans to lead them out of Egypt. And then in in chapter 5, So Moses had talked with Pharaoh about letting his people go. And so uh, Pharaoh decided, okay, uh, you want to go. You're idle. Uh, You want to go out and, uh, did he say worship? forget exactly what he said there. Make sacrifice. So I'm going to make your work harder for you. Uh, We're not going to give you straw for your bricks, and you're going to have to Come up with the same amount of of bricks as you did before. And the suffering got greater for the Israelites. And in in chapter 5, 20 uh, to 23 there, the people became upset with Moses and Aaron because of the increased bondage. They met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way. And then verse 21, they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. So, at first, in chapter 4, they heard Moses. They were looking forward to getting out of Egypt. But when their oppression became greater, then... They became upset with Moses and Aaron. And then in verse 22, what I referred to, Moses again questioning God. Why is it that you sent me? In chapter 6, God again calls Moses to go speak to Pharaoh, uh, 611, go speak to Pharaoh, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And um, so then in verse 
And in chapter 7, uh, Moses did go to Pharaoh, and he performed some miracles before Pharaoh. And then beginning in, in the last part of chapter 7, and on through chapter 12, we have the account of the plagues, uh, where God showed himself powerful to Pharaoh. Finally, there was the death of the firstborn son, and then it was that Pharaoh sent Israel out of Egypt. Chapters 12 and 13 uh, speak of the departure from Egypt, and um, just kind of a, a few points in their journeyings then, chapter 15, um, there's the, and we'll refer to some of these later again then, but the bitter water and how God had Moses put a tree into the water and the water became good to drink then. Um, chapter 16, the provisions of manna and quail. And chapter 17 talks of the water coming from the rock when again they had no water and Moses was um, asked to, uh, by God, told to, to strike the rock, and water came out of the rock. And then in chapter 32, we have the sad account of the, um, the Israelites turning from God and the golden calf that was made. Uh, Moses had been up in the mountain for quite some time, and they were um, not sure what became of him. And they had Aaron make a calf for them. Now, I, I failed to mention earlier, uh, the title of the message is A Useful Vessel. Moses was a useful vessel. And 2 Timothy 2.21, I'm just going to turn there. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. A vessel unto honor. And you know, God was still working on Moses as we, um, as we look at his life. And Moses didn't work perfectly with his people Israel. Um, he, he did a tremendous job with them. But we know how at a certain point God told him to speak to the rock. And he hit the rock, um, probably out of anger. God continued his work on Moses. And you know, he's continuing his work on each one of us, perfecting us, purifying us, purging us from those that dishonorable. Um, and God, even in our imperfections, God is desiring to use each one of us as a vessel in the work of his kingdom and as we um, strive to encourage one another to God's kingdom.
as we think of our endeavors as God's people to move one another towards Christ, there's three words I would like to uh, use this morning that begin with the letter R. The first word is responsibility, and that is doing what God calls us to, doing what he places in front of us. I don't believe that God, I want to say this carefully, um, is not asking us to go out and try to find all the things to do to sniff the bushes, but he wants us to be available, to take the responsibility that he gives to us. Now, I say that carefully because um, we can easily sit around and not do anything. Moses felt incapable of doing what God had called him to do. And I think he was in a good place there of feeling incapable. There was a point in time when he felt capable, when he took things into his own hands. He, was, he judged the Egyptian that was beating the Israelite. That wasn't God's plan. He took things in his own hands there. God's call to Moses was in his timing, and it was a call from God. It was not Moses simply going ahead with things. And as God calls us, we are simply called to give a yes to God, to follow in his call. In thinking of responsibility, so I mentioned about the Israelites being upset with Moses and Aaron because due to their uh, going into Pharaoh, the work of the Israelites became harder. The oppression became harder. God called Moses to go speak to Pharaoh, on Israel's behalf. He gave him a responsibility there. In 1 Corinthians 12, we, we read of the, the gifts. 12, and the, the workings of the body, the body of Christ working together. And in verse 20, verse 25, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. And we could look much deeper into this passage here. But as brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to care for one another. And you know that phrase, those two words together, one another, we find often in the New Testament. Often it goes with the word love, having love for one another. But one another bears the the 
the responsibility. It gives the, the thought of responsibility for each other, one another. Back in Second Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Second Timothy again. It gives a responsibility there in chapter two, uh, verses twenty-five and twenty-six. And this is, I think, of of bondage. This verse um, would speak to our responsibility in that, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Opposing the truth. When someone opposes the truth, I, I think they're, I believe that they are opposing themselves. You know, truth is in favor of both God and man. And when one chooses to walk against the truth, to walk in error, they are walking not only in opposition to God, but also in opposition to themselves, not to their personal desires, but to what is best for them. And as God's people, we have a responsibility of guiding those from among us who find themselves struggling in captivity. And we also have a responsibility of admonishing those who are walking away from truth toward bondage. We have a responsibility of of offering prayer and encouragement to them. Ephesians 4.15 talks of speaking the truth in love to those who are in error or moving away from God. I know for myself, it's easy to talk about, well, I'll just mention how it can be for men, talk about the weather and about building houses and fixing engines and... um, For women, it might be more clothing and laundry and food and things like that. But as God's people, our call goes much further than that. Our call is to lead people to closeness through Christ. And even though some of these other things are very real parts of our lives, and we will talk about them, what is our purpose Are we endeavoring to move one another closer to Christ? And as we think of of those who who may be faced with bondage, are we willing to sit down and listen, to hear their hearts, to encourage them, and, um, and to lead them? towards freedom in Christ? Are we saying yes 
to this responsibility that God has given to us. The next R word I would like to look at is the word relationship. Again, in Exodus chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, Moses and Aaron um, had gathered the elders of Israel to tell them what the Lord's plan was to deliver them, and the people believed them. And I don't know what all Moses and Aaron's relationship to Israel had been before this point. We don't read some of those details. I would imagine that Aaron had been um, in the same bondage as his uh, fellow Hebrews. But Moses and Aaron were developing a relationship here with the Israelites. And they had something good for them, good news for them. And the people heard them, they believed them, and, and they wanted to follow them. Then in Exodus 5, again, the account there where the people came and they met Moses and Aaron in the way and were upset at them. It's interesting to me, even though they were upset, they came to Moses and Aaron. There's something of relationship there. And finally, they were willing to follow Moses out of Egypt And throughout the journey, they went to Moses, they listened to him and what he had to say. Relationships are so important in the church. Relationships build trust. And as we build trust, as we trust other people, we are able to hear what they have to say. And, and vice versa, when others trust us, they are able to hear what we have to say. And, and trust and relationships is just something that happens over time. As we continue relating to one another, as we show our care and appreciation for each other, um, Relationships don't happen just because we come to church together. It, it takes work. But it's so important if we're going to be vessels to move one another closer to Christ. The third R word is resoluteness. Or not giving up on those around us. That we're in it, we're going to stay in it. And we see resoluteness in Moses. You know, it seems after he got past a certain point, he was in the call of God wholeheartedly. He wasn't given up. He wasn't going to abandon them out in the desert there. Moses was not leading a group of fine ladies and gentlemen out of Egypt who had really mastered um, obedience and and just uh, trust. Uh, 
At one point, he called them rebels. I think that was when he hit the rock. Listen now, you rebels. Must we fetch you water from this rock? Um, and and I, I don't know how often Moses felt that way. Israel had a pattern of murmuring. I don't know how far off that sounds. Maybe we have, maybe I have some of those patterns within my own heart. But in chapter 15, some of these accounts I mentioned before, but the bitter water, um, yeah, Moses went. He went to God, and God told him what to do. But the Israelites had come murmuring. God gave them manna and quail, but they murmured. And, and again, that water from the rock, they came murmuring because they didn't have water. And there were times they were ready to turn back to Egypt because they were, weren't happy with Moses for leaving, leading them out of Egypt and whatever they were facing at the time. This, this is who Moses was leading. Um, and finally, or another account here, but the golden calf turning from God because, well, they didn't know what had become of Moses. Um, so, so they turned away from God. But Moses stood by them. Moses was committed to leading them until God called him to, to, well, to come to the end of that leadership. In death there it was. But back to the account of the golden calf. Thinking of resoluteness. In that account, it seems, and I, I don't fully understand um, this account, but it seems that God was ready to relieve Moses of his responsibility of leading Israel. He was ready to do away with Israel and begin another people through Moses. Moses resolutely stood between God and Israel. In fact, he was ready for God to blot his own name out of the book of life for the sake of Israel. His commitment was to the people of God. Brothers and sisters, do you and I have that commitment to each other? The commitment Moses had there just, just really speaks to me. Or is there a line that when someone has crossed wherever that line may be, that we give up on them? This morning, each one of us here this morning, we are all people in need. I think from the youngest to the oldest of us, I think we are all people in need. We're imperfect. We're unworthy. And we all suffer from the effects of the fall. No one of us lives in the state where Adam and Eve were when they were first created. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And as we consider our humanity, our failures, we are called to move one another closer to Christ. Now, where there is sin, there must be lines. Where there is um, continued sin, uh, as I mentioned about lines before, um, but where there are relationships, no matter uh, when it is a matter of relationships, we must be committed to one another. If we have conditional commitment to each other or resoluteness, we will lessen the chance for relationship. The relationships can't go as deep when we place conditions on it. In thinking of attempting to lead people out of bondage or out of error, we need to be very committed there. And just thinking from from my perspective, it doesn't feel good to be told that I am wrong or that I'm in error. That's, that's not a good feeling. And, and just thinking of, of commitment as we are endeavoring to, to lead someone to truth, um, it's not going to feel good to them to be told that they're in error. And therein we need to have commitment to one another to be willing to walk through it with them, even through the hard times. This morning, I believe that it is our goal and our desire here to move one another closer to Christ. I think... Every one of you would agree with me on that. This morning, I just want to leave the challenge to us all. Let's do it. Let's put forth our effort to, I think it was Brother Weston mentioned this morning about, um, I forget how you said that, but I took it to to give encouragement to people. Um, And just how that... um, is a blessing and, and feels good to us. Um, let's do that. Let's encourage one another when we see good things happening in their lives. Let's be willing with love and grace to point out um, errors in people's lives. And not that I'm standing here saying there's a bunch of errors going on in here and that There's um, everyone in bondage. But if someone comes to you with something on their heart that they are dealing with, listen to them. Hear them. Encourage them to continue fighting the battle. And um, just encourage them to draw near to God. I I just, um, in closing here, You know, we may not always, in fact, we may never quite feel like we have the right words to say. But 
something that we can say is we can point out hope just as Moses did there. The message from God. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. There is a way out of captivity. There is a way to freedom. There is redemption. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people belonging there. And I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will be, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. You know, I, I just think of it, no matter what people are facing in, in their challenges, their struggles, their bondages, but just as Job this morning, there is hope in the Redeemer. That land promised for a heritage. No, it's not an earthly land for us here on earth, but it's a heavenly land, a heavenly home that we can look forward to and that um, is just a, a tremendous part of the message of hope for each one of us and that we can share as we point people to Christ. Okay, let's kneel for prayer.